And that change is coming. It's overdue, but it's coming. So imagine a kid coming up to you in the corridor and saying, have we got up world views today, sir? Doesn't that convey something of the excitement and the richness and the freshness and promise of a new subject identity? Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about the big changes coming in religious education and what this means for teachers. I'm Carl McCarthy, an executive head teacher, and I'm talking to Mark Chater, editor and author of Reforming RE, Power and Knowledge in a Worldviews Curriculum. It's published by John Cat Education. It's an exciting new book. It's highly recommended and it was out earlier this year. Mark's also an editor of a blog series that follows the book. Mark, welcome to the podcast. What's the story behind your book? Thanks, Carl. It's about change. The way we do RE in English schools at the moment is in need of an overhaul. It's not just me saying this, it's many teachers and a national commission that reported back in 2018. So the book first explains how we got here and what the underlying causes are and why we have to change. And in the second half of the book, it gives some practical pointers about how a reformed subject called religion and worldviews, or maybe just worldviews, could rise up like a phoenix from the ashes of RE. Okay, so Mark, you mentioned uh, it's about change then. So what's the case for change? Well, because RE at the moment is underperforming academically in a lot of schools. Its educational aims are confused and obscure. Many teachers find it a challenging subject to teach, and its structures are outmoded. And those four challenges are all interrelated. If you ask five RE teachers what the aims of the subject are, you'll probably get six different answers. Maybe it's about promoting tolerance and respect for diversity. Maybe it's about encouraging the inner personal quest for meaning. Maybe it's about spirituality and identity. Maybe it's about skills or knowledge. Sometimes it's about promoting the truth of one particular faith. It can't be all of those things together in one or two lessons a week. Some of these aims are legitimate, um, some less so. Book shakes this down a bit and calls for doing fewer things better. Clear knowledge and understanding of worldviews, religious and non-religious worldviews, the impact that worldviews have on people and communities, and how worldviews can change over time. And I've got to say, when I was reading it, Mark, it really it resonated and spoke out because it feels like this is really timely. It feels like it's really topical. And from from the news and social media to the classroom, it just feels like there's a real need for uh, looking at this in more detail and trying to trying to unpick it further. I, I mean, one thing you mentioned the commission in in uh, 2018. You know, tell me a little bit more about that and what it recommended. Well, the Commission on RE was a high-level body of educationalists, diversity experts, lawyers, and academics, and it was created by the RE Council. And in 2018, it gave its final report and argued that RE cannot continue with the present model and it needs a new identity. My book, Reforming RE, builds on the Commission and goes a bit further. It gives a platform to teachers and others who believe that change is coming and they want to help it along. And from my career, in my time, I've been a teacher, a trainer, policymaker, and a grant giver. 
And the big learning point for me in my career has been that teachers of RE are impeded and hampered by the muddled aims of the subject and the outmoded structures and legal basis for RE. The main legislation for RE in this country dates from 1944, when this country was obviously a very different place from now. We are now more diverse, more secular, and more interconnected. And the structures that we have inherited give too much power and influence to faith communities and also to secular belief communities to determine the curriculum. So an example of this, if a Christian group on a local standing advisory council for RE, SACRE, wants the syllabus changed so that it agrees with their theological views, they can probably make that happen. Now, in a country where more than 50% of people self-identify as non-religious, that kind of influence is inappropriate and it undermines RE's integrity and coherence. And, and that's definitely something I see in the classroom, the, the schools that I'm working with as well, this uh, idea of, of trying to really reflect the, the communities that we serve. Um, and you, you mentioned worldviews as well. Why worldviews? The Commission and my book both say that worldviews is a useful word. Uh, after all, as human beings, we all have a worldview, whether we are conscious of it or not. A worldview can be understood as a lens that we have. It's a way in which we see and interpret the world and our own experience in the world and our place in it. Worldviews are interconnected in thousands of fascinating ways. They are, there are similarities and differences between worldviews. For example, a white fundamentalist Trump-supporting evangelical Christian has very little in common with a black Methodist Christian or with a white liberal Catholic Christian. Fundamentalists have a lot in common with each other. Trump-supporting Christians, jihadist Muslims, in many ways they are very similar in their worldview, even though they believe they are opposed. The diversity and the complexity of worldviews is absolutely fascinating. To know someone else's worldview is to be able to understand them, to be able to bridge a gap. So studying this and working out how worldviews affect the world is a new way, a different way of doing RE. I see. Well, is, isn't it not a, a bit, uh, a bit, I don't know, frightening? There, there, there's some big issues there and, and some big ideas. Um, how, how can this approach, uh, how can this help teachers to approach those really controversial issues and the things that maybe we might shy away from or, or find a bit challenging to tackle ourselves? Yeah. Kids love controversial issues. And a skilled teacher with good resources enjoys teaching controversial issues. They don't teach in order to promote a particular point of view. They teach in order to allow the young people to learn, allow the young people to have knowledge um, and move them towards having informed and well-considered worldviews. So if we take a controversial issue, let's take fundamentalism again. It needs to be taught on the basis of clear knowledge. It can help by providing pupils with clear knowledge and understanding of a diverse world in which people have very sincerely and strongly held views. To know whether someone is representing their belief system accurately or not. To know when someone is twisting or misusing their holy text. 
to know when someone's argument or truth claims are based on a false premise. That kind of knowledge is power in the world. Knowledge is power. Wow. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's really powerful. Um, but what could it mean in practice then for, for teachers and school leaders? The blogs on the Reforming RE website, and there are other collections of blogs, for example, on RE Online as well, are about helping teachers to understand the change and start implementing it in practical ways in classrooms. And I and the other authors think that teacher practice at the grassroots in schools is already changing, and later on the law will probably catch up with the change and reflect the new practice. So, for example, in Reforming RE, we have some great blogs from Dawn Cox and Ben Wood, both of them serving teachers, about how to use sociological data on the distribution of beliefs in contrasting communities, actual data on the number of people belonging to particular belief communities, how to help the children learn about what the data means, how to develop their skills and disciplinary understanding of social science methods for gathering information about belief and how that can enrich their understanding of worldviews. So that's two really practical blogs. And we have another pair of contrasting blogs from Naila Misus and Nikki McGee, again, both serving teachers, discussing the messiness and complexity of concepts and practices in two parallel religions, Islam and Christianity, using the perspectives of Black Lives Matter and of feminism. And by the way, it's worth saying these blogs and a reform message are neither progressive nor traditional. I think what they're doing is taking the best from progressive and the best from traditional. We are absolutely about teaching in ways that respect the kids' identities and the teachers' identities too, while also teaching the best that has been thought and said, even if it is by dead white men. And we have a really useful practical blog from Zainab Ali on the vital importance of teaching key vocabulary from belief systems in ways that underpin the pupils' understanding of key concepts. Okay, so we're looking at contrasts and we're looking at um, uh, different views, opposing views in parallel, and then wrestling with some of the big ideas uh, in meaningful ways for, for teachers in the classroom. Is that, is that kind of the idea of it? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, what about RE then, you know, as, as a subject and, and the RE that we, we perhaps may traditionally think of? Um, you know, I, f I hesitate to say this, but is RE as a term dead? As a name for the subject, yes, I hope so. I hope it is dead. As a subject name, I think RE conveys all the wrong messages. For example, uh, it suggests that we're about the predominance or the normalization of religion or that we're about promoting religion or religious formation. That might be the intention in some schools, but not, uh, not the majority, certainly. It's not really a legitimate intention in any community school. And deep down, I think all RE people know this. So a change of name will not be sufficient in itself, but it will be a very significant symbol of a change in our aims purpose and scope of content and a change in our structures. And that change is coming. It's overdue, but it's coming. So imagine a kid coming up to you in the corridor and saying, have we got our worldviews today, sir? 
doesn't that convey something of the excitement and the richness and the freshness and promise of a new subject identity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And the excitement, I think some of some of the most exciting lessons I've seen, the philosophy lessons, certainly at primary that we, we see here, um, we have some philosophy for children sessions each week, some of the topics that they wrestle with and, and then are excited about. It, it, it just brings it brings the world to life and uh, gives a sense that the the classroom and the school isn't isolated away from the outside world, which, you know, I think that's, that's, that's the aim, right? Absolutely. Um, okay. So if, if leaders were to embrace the work then, and, and some of the changes that were suggested in, in your book, what would the subjects, and if we'll call it worldviews or, or religion and worldviews, what would that subject look like in five years time? And what's the potential impact of this? Well, in five years time, I hope that worldviews will be a subject on the curriculum that has educational legitimacy, firstly, because it will reflect the kind of nation that we are now, not the country that we were 80 years ago. And secondly, because the influence of religious and secular belief organizations, their power to shape the curriculum will be gone. Instead, we will have a national curriculum order for a subject called worldviews, and it will explain clearly what knowledge content is to be taught, and it will be organized around rich, complex concepts. It will be a subject whose legitimate place in the curriculum for every child is not questioned by lobby groups, not pulled this way or that, and not undermined by parents withdrawing their child. Um, and in community schools, it will be a subject totally separate from collective worship, totally not about selling religion and totally positive about conveying clear knowledge of diversity. It will be a subject, I hope, that performs highly in academic terms, as well as enabling young people to go to, if they wish, to study uh, at higher levels, to study things like philosophy or sociology or theology or anthropology, psychology, amongst many other disciplines at university. For all of those reasons, I think a five-year vision of a subject called worldviews will be a much, much better place for us. That sounds fantastic. It really does. And, and I'd urge school leaders uh, or, or subject leaders, anyone with an interest, really, to try and find out more. Um, and, if they, and if they do want to find out more, uh, if the listeners want to discover for themselves, where's a good place for them to start? Well, the book, Reforming RE, uh, and yeah, particularly yeah. the chapters, uh, I would say particularly the chapters written by serving teachers, that's a useful place to start. And the blog series, also called Reforming RE, uh, is free for everyone to see. Um, it's worth adding that since we're setting out on a journey of change, it's helpful for every school leader, I believe, to understand where we have come from and why we are journeying, as well as having a vision of where we can get to. And that makes it more likely, I think, that we'll get there. Well, well it's a, a huge project and, and a compelling vision, Mark. And, and I enjoyed the book, and I, I can really see how, how that could become a reality in, in classrooms, which, which is an exciting thing. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your week uh, to, to speak on the podcast and, and share share your views with our listeners um i i, I want to say you know thank you and uh, and I, I do wish every success with with the project um just out of interest what's next for you mark well the blog series continues um and um the book is still being talked about by our re professionals 
And uh, so, you know, the change process won't happen overnight, but I hope to to help it along a bit um, in the things that I've written and said. And I want to thank you, Carl, too, for the opportunity to uh, have a conversation with you about this, which I've really enjoyed. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it.